three minutes after five o'clock on your radio dial and you are tuned in to This Week in Moab. I'm your host, Molly Marcello, and in this next hour, we'll be spending time with a few guests. Um, First, we'll be talking about community development in Moab City, and uh, later we'll have a few guests um, talking about returning to school because that's right, school starts this week for students in Grand County, and they're going to be discussing school safety. But first, my guests tonight are City Manager Carly Castle and the brand new Community Development Director Michael Black. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So Community Development Director, we're going to talk about, you know, what this position is, you know, why the city um, saw a need for it here in Moab. But tell us a little bit about your relationship to this career path. So I am originally from Utah. I went to the University of Utah and I have a master's degree in urban planning. And I've worked for several communities in Utah. Mm -hmm. But the last 15 years, I've worked in Oregon worked for the city of Grants Pass as the community development director there. And then for the last nine years, I was the um, basically the executive director of the Ashland Parks and Recreation Commission in Ashland, Oregon. And at the time when I was hired, there were a lot of projects. The the Parks and Recreation Commission was taking on and I was brought on to um, do a hundred year plan for a, a famous park that they have there in town. And then also to uh, build a few things and uh, a chance to do some design and build a few parks and uh, be part of a lot of planning uh, for that community for quite a while. Mm. And I'm coming back to Utah, back yeah. to my roots, I guess, um, and uh, looking forward to it. I'm also, I am back. Sorry, mm-hmm. I don't mean to yeah, say I'm yeah. coming back. Yeah, you, I, I'm actually living here. here now and I am working. And uh, I also want to say I am certified uh, by the American Institute of Certified Planners. Okay. And uh, happy to be here. All right. So a little bit of a mixture of skill sets and experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a Moab, Oregon connection sometimes. If, yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? Oh, no. It's two <laughs> cool places, I guess. <laughs> Ashland, where I came from, is a big mountain bike town. Right. And uh, I think there's probably a lot of, there's probably always somebody here from Ashland, probably year yeah. round, I would imagine. But Right. But, uh, yeah, there's some similarities. How does it feel to be back in Utah? I know this is a different corner of the state, but, you know. Yeah. feels warmer. <laughs> Very warm. <laughs> but uh, it, it feels nice, actually. I, um, my family and I never thought we would actually move back to Utah. We love it here. Yeah. It's, it's a great place. All of our family's here and everything. Uh, but uh, we, always, we always thought we were going to stay in Oregon. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Moab was a nice alternative mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit different than the, uh, you know, the typical uh, Utah. Yeah. You know, it's it's different. It's, it's different, different than different. northern Utah yeah. or even the rest of Utah. Yeah. 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 So we, we jumped at the opportunity to apply for this job. And I came down and interviewed and had a good experience. And they liked me, too. So here we are. So. Awesome. Well, let's talk about your position. You know, um, Carly, this is a new position at Moab City and um, community development. You know, I saw from the new organizational chart that Michael in this position oversees a few key departments. Um, So tell us about, you know, creating this position and the reasoning for it. Sure. I'm glad you asked. So um, going back a few years, uh, when I was first here as assistant city manager, something that I 
the feedback I'd get from the public often was that there was there appeared to be a rift between the community and City Hall, and mm-hmm. and the community didn't know how to access City Hall. It wasn't clear to the community what was going on. Um, they didn't know how to engage. They weren't being engaged. Um, and after it was here for a couple of years, what I identified was there was no position actually dedicated to bridging that divide, and that's why people were feeling the gulf there. Um, so the first step we did was actually um, the uh, in the community vision and strategic action plan, which mm-hmm. was you know finished up last year, and it was this big conversation right. about our community identity, mm-hmm. um, what our priorities were, um, right. and what what the strategy should be for the city moving forward. And, and that was like that was a months long yeah community public process, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it was even about a year long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a really big, nice grand community conversation. Mm-hmm. And essentially, this position is to implement huge mm-hmm. parts of that plan and put them into practice mm-hmm. and policy and, and programs. And you mentioned that uh, he's going to be overseeing some really key city departments. So it's engineering, planning, sustainability, and communications. And mm-hmm. these are divisions that are, are right now working, or prior to Michael's arrival, mm-hmm. working together very well. And they, they kind of exist on a continuum mm-hmm. of 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 projects a project comes to them and they all kind of touch it um but with the establishment of this new department hopefully it just gets a little more holistic and when they're doing such important work it's very valuable if you have a department director who is there kind of day in day out seeing the whole process Mm -hmm. um as city manager it was just becoming increasingly difficult for me to give um, that group of departments, the level of attention they needed while also managing other parts of the city. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, this is, you know, bureaucratic, you know, really, <laughs> really cares about that functional part of it, but it kind of brings the, the people I directly oversee, you mm-hmm. know, from like 12 to six, which is just a more manageable number. Sure. And it's grouped in a way that it seems to all be related to planning in some way, planning mm-hmm. and communications. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Related to community development. Yeah. Community Let's development. Okay, tell us about community development. Like, what is, you know, community development for people who might not know? Well, I, I like to think of it as, well, development is growth. A lot of people associate it with growth. But mm-hmm. the term smart growth is something that I've always tried to achieve in my career. And, you know, growth for the sake of growth is never never great. But we are going to grow. There's no doubt about it. Populations are growing. Mm-hmm. We we are expanding. We have the need for more services, um, and uh, there's there's all this induced demand upon us. And so, community development to me is about smart growth in all of the aspects, from mm-hmm. housing to employment, land to mm-hmm. um, to retail and commercial and. Uh, um, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Infrastructure. And infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And, and we're also talking about affordable housing as well, mm-hmm. which is, a, I know it's been a big push for the community and, mm-hmm. and will continue to be, I, I think, for the foreseeable future. There's a lot of work to mm-hmm. be done on that. And I've, I've been lucky enough to get right in on that with the work that's going on with the uh, Moab Area Affordable Housing Plan, which is being redrafted at the moment, mm. will be presented to the city council and to the county commission in the next few months, I think. Oh. And so I've been able to get uh, to get in on that kind of towards the tail end, but to see a little bit about what has happened since 2017 when the last plan was adopted, mm-hmm. which a lot has happened. But we're still falling behind on the trend or 
the trend isn't uh, where we would like it to be for the creation of affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to, to be able to get in and, and work on that as well. So housing is a big deal for you coming up. Um, that's exciting that the plan, the uh, affordable housing plan is being redrafted. You know, what are some, you know, highlights from the plan so far? And maybe, Carly, do you have anything on your mind about it or what you're looking forward to? That's such a big question. Sorry. I know. I'm, I'm like, right. well, yeah. Talk, talk to me about how you feel about housing. Right. <laughs> right. Um, highlights from the plan. W- one thing that I do want to talk about is I'm a little encouraged by the progress and um, I I think I, that doesn't mean that anyone needs to be happy about where we are with the state of housing, mm-hmm. but we started to tally um, for for the information to be included in the plan, you know, how many units the city has approved for their workforce restricted, and it's more than 200, and we've done that in like a year and a half. Um, so the goals for 2030 are looking achievable, at, at least at this point. It's like, oh, you know, with that in Arroyo Crossing, we're, we're kind of halfway there. Mm. Um, so, and I'm not even accounting for some of the other Hazu projects and CR right. projects sure. that are coming online. This is just Moab City's yeah. contribution. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm encouraged by by that kind of progress. It, it doesn't seem so helpless and hopeless, maybe mm-hmm. that it, it has in the past. But what is your takeaway, Michael? I, I'd say that's a, that's a, um, I'd say about the same. I think even from 2017 to to now to 2023 they've made a lot of strides and uh and there's been a lot of work done there's been a lot of dedicated people i mean being new to this community mm-hmm. i'm coming in and i'm just seeing this there's been a lot of very dedicated people working on this for a long time and passionate people who are looking out for the community and you can see that in the progress that has been made and then as carly's talking about the progress that is the that we're looking forward to um, we're on the right track we just need to keep updating this thing every five years mm-hmm. and keep make sure that we keep the the goalposts in mind and continue to work towards those goalposts yeah because as you know you can make a plan but it's hard to actually implement that plan mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right. which is impressive <laughs> yeah. that they're even the community is even coming back to it so quickly a lot of times plans get put on a shelf and sure. but not here this is this is being brought back up and and uh, being revised just six years after it was implemented mm-hmm. So we're talking about one of the housing plans, but um, earlier in the program, Carly mentioned that this new community development director position is implementing really the community strategic (laughs) action plan, which is much larger. Anything else to pull out from like any big projects ahead when it relates to sustainability, planning, engineering, what else is um, coming up um, for this position? Well, this position, I would say, let's let's probably move off of the position to the department and what's going on in the department. Sure. We've got the Sustainable Action Plan, mm-hmm. which is coming forward, that uh, Lexi Lamb is working on and doing our, our sustainability director mm-hmm. and is doing a great job with the, some consultants. Um, we've also got the, um, the landscaping ordinance that's being rewritten, and the council has reviewed that once, mm-hmm. and I believe it will be coming back to the council soon. And just to put a plug in for that, it's about um, resource resources and protecting resources in the terms of water and and um, smart mm-hmm. management of water through landscape management. Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the exciting things that are going on right now. There's a lot of other uh, community development projects in terms of um, of uh, community infrastructure that's being built. I think uh, just the other day we talked about. Um, 
and I'm I'm sorry. You got to remember, I'm a new guy here, and, <laughs> and I can't remember all the names sure. of the streets. But so Chuck Williams, our mm-hmm. city engineer, has done a lot of work in securing a lot of money for this community to work on infrastructure, and we've got several projects coming up that are that are uh, going to be implemented in the short term that are going to be a great benefit to the community and will mm-hmm. improve surface streets and parking and all kinds of things uh, in the community just coming up in the short term. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on, and I'm st- I'm still trying to get in there and, and learn all of these things and, and what everything is going on. I'm coming into and being part of a team that is already functional. Right. And I think that's that's Carly was saying when we first started. We already have great people in positions who are working on these things, and I'm coming in to help um, – to organize, um, not, I mean, it's not a necessarily a situation where um, we need to reorganize, mm-hmm. but to help to, to organize in the sense of uh, making sure that we have, um, you know, somebody who's looking over it all. Carly isn't the person who's got to look over the police department and, mm-hmm. the, and the community development department and the finance department and everything. Mm-hmm. That, public so, works. Public mm-hmm. works, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a lot going right. on. So um, My guests right now are Michael Black, the new community development director at Moab City, and city manager Carly Castle. Um, now, not to keep putting you in the hot seat, Michael, but um, <laughs> one of the things that came out of the you know the city makes a, a, a news release when uh, they hired you and one of the other things that you said in that news release that you were excited about is active transportation so yeah what's up with that I'm glad you brought that <laughs> up so I I've been a planner for about 20 years and 20 years ago uh, it was clear to me that um, if we were to plan cities around people and active transportation, meaning our communities were walkable and bikeable, we would have not only walkable and bikeable cities, but better looking cities and more functional cities. And so for my career, I've been an, I haven't, I've been an active transportation proponent. I've been an active transportation planner in Oregon. I, I sat on and was the chair of the Oregon Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Committee, and I was appointed by the governor to do that and served for several years in that position. And I truly believe and am passionate about the effect that uh, active transportation can have on our communities and the the growth patterns um, by simply just having blocks, you know, block lengths and, mm-hmm. and density of blocks within square miles being high densities of intersections is what I mean to say, mm-hmm. and uh, making our communities more walkable, building them to the human scale, that we will we'll all live in a better place. Mm-hmm. So I... I've been um, I've been involved in a lot of things along those lines, and I'm very passionate about it. And I try to bring that everywhere I go, and that should be a, a tenant to every every community, every every city employee, really, and county employee should be working towards that goal. You know, the city does have active transportation infrastructure. Some of that infrastructure has to be repaired from, you know, going back to last year when you were in this room, Carly, <laughs> about the flood. Um, but there's still a lot more that can be done. And I've seen, you know, a lot of folks, a lot of officials, a lot of elected officials who are passionate about active transportation. But it's tough to get those projects off the ground unless it's, you know, involved from day one in planning, I guess. It is, and yeah. and I know Cane Creek is going to be a complete street, mm-hmm. and I know the city is very excited about that, and it's something we should be striving for in all of our streets. And mm-hmm. Oregon has a rule, and, and I don't mean to, 
I mean, I can't help it. I was yeah. just came from you Oregon. You just were there. I, right. just, I was just there, uh-huh. and, I, and I, a lot of my experience comes from there. But mm-hmm. um, Oregon, even in Oregon, which is a very um, active transportation mm-hmm. state, it's very well known for its, its uh, bike friendliness. They still have problems with yeah. it, and they even have laws that say that um, you have to justify not building complete streets. It, it's the default mm-hmm. when you're oh, using... Wow. Uh, state money mm-hmm. to build a complete street and still we have problems with it you know and mm-hmm. still there's issues because there are there are exemptions and and, mm-hmm. and all that and um so it's something that you need a lot of passionate people working on constantly and mm-hmm. and just really um keeping keeping their mind on that and you need all of your city employees too all of your engineering mm-hmm. and planning employees need to be thinking about it constantly yeah um you know before we get too far in the weeds but complete street that is what's coming to King mm-hmm. Creek. What is a complete street? So a complete street means a street that incorporates both active, like pedestrian uh, infrastructure and bike lane infrastructure. And, um, you know, the King Creek design includes enhanced protect- pedestrian protection and dedicated bike lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really exciting. We're hoping that the King Creek redevelopment and reconstruction will kind of be a showcase for what our city could look like. Mm -hmm. Um, And it will help the community see, oh, I really kind of like these amenities. These are worth us investing in. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of step one in us making the case to the community Mm -hmm. that this is worth investing in. Does the city have like a close-ish example currently, or is this going to be something that blows all of our minds? And (laughs) The closest one I can think of Uh is maybe the the road outside of City Hall. I wouldn't know if that's technically complete streets, Mm -hmm. but it has those, the median parking, the trees. um, Mm -hmm. So it's traffic calming measures there as you pass by City Hall, the bike Mm -hmm. lane. Yeah, for right. sure, and and you'll notice at the inter at the crossing walks, there's bump outs, so mm-hmm. the pedestrians are more visible, right. and or you could have chicanes to slow people down, things like that. But the idea, as Carly said, is that you're you're accounting for all modes of transportation and not not focusing just on that that one mode that is dictated most city mm-hmm. planning for the last mm-hmm. fifty or I guess now seventy five years or wow. so post-war uh-huh. that is dictated how planning happens mm-hmm. um, we're we're getting back to going to where we are planning for everybody and dispersed parking that's coming up too mm-hmm. also has complete streets um, sure. components in it as well and so that's another huge infrastructure investment um, that we're that's out to bid at the moment um, and we'll be coming to a street near you <laughs> <laughs> right um, do you mind while you're here updating us on you know where this dispersed parking is hopefully you're gonna go in Moab City yes I can't remember each of the streets individually right. there are nine of them total but oh it's gosh. basically the downtown core right not Main Street but streets adjacent to it in that classic like mm-hmm. from what is it third south-ish to second north mm-hmm. that and cluster those, that little cluster yeah. of streets mm-hmm. um, and have them kind of approximate something like you, what you see outside of City Hall. Right. Well, there's certainly a lot on both of your plates, and um, it's exciting that um, this position is here at Moab City, especially to pull together, like you said, you wanted to talk about the departments that are already doing mm-hmm. like some pretty major work. Is there anything else on either one of your minds right now when it comes to um, what's ahead for Moab City or what's ahead for this new community development department? I think just anything that is publicly touching Mm -hmm. um, folks out in the community, like Michael's department probably has something to do with it. So it's it's a very public-facing department. Mm -hmm. They are um, 
doing a, in charge of really the big exciting projects that I hope the community is excited about. Yeah. And I I would just like to say I'm here. I'm I'm working and I'd love I love talking to people if anybody would like to uh, reach out to me. Mm-hmm. I'm you can find me at City Hall and and I look forward to getting to know the community much much better and being much more involved in in a lot of different aspects of community development and smart growth. Amazing. So. Yeah, I mean, the, what is that phrase, Michael? You probably know there's like, you know, change is happening, but you can choose change to happen to you. Or <laughs> am I in the ballpark of a Sounds planning really phrase? Sounds really good. Okay, <laughs> you have to plan for change, right? Right, okay. right. All right. Thank you for um, coming up to KZMU. Um, City Manager Carly Castle and Community Development Director Michael Black. Um, We're going to take a brief music break and be back with some folks um, from law enforcement and the school district to talk about school safety um, this school year. Um, So stay tuned and uh, we'll be right back. It's 5.30. You're tuned in to KZMU Moab Community Radio. Um, Welcome back to This Week in Moab. I'm your host, Molly Marcello, and I'm here with three guests now live in the studio. Um, We have Taryn Kay. Hello, Taryn. Hello, Molly. Chief of Police, Jared Garcia. Hello. And we have Grand County Sheriff, Jameson Wiggins. Hello. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Um, The new school year is beginning this week in Grand County, and you all, I know, have been meeting about school safety um, on a pretty regular basis, and now you're here to talk with our listeners about this topic. Um, So I thought we would start way back in 1999, before all of us were born. The Grand County School District established a a multi-agency clinical safety team back in 1999, and this team, it meets monthly and it includes the police department, the sheriff's office, EMS, the hospital fire department, and more organizations than I can remember or count. Um, so I'm hoping that um, you all can talk to me a little bit about this team and what you focus on throughout the year. Um, I'm also interested in hearing about like ways that this you know collaboration between the school district and law enforcement has been strengthened in the last few years too. So Taryn, do you wanna start? Sure. The clinical safety team started actually in response to the Columbine shootings. Mm. And it was uh, smaller, maybe 10 or 12 people. Mm. And we started to meet monthly, always law enforcement, uh, city PD and county sheriff and the school district, and uh, generally EMS and fire uh, were kind of the original members. Mm And we wanted to be proactive and make sure we had uh, everything in place uh, to hopefully prevent something like Columbine, but also to be able to respond effectively to any kind of incident Mm -hmm. at school. And so we started and we haven't stopped. (laughs) Okay, all right, it's ongoing. And now Chief Garcia and Sheriff Wiggins, tell us how the police department and the sheriff's office plug into this. So so I think both both law enforcement agencies plug in um, just naturally. I think Mm -hmm. it's obviously when you're talking about anything that's related to public safety, we're gonna be involved in that. And we're just grateful that Taryn and her team and all the other 
um, entities that are participating allow us to be a part of the process. We, we can give valuable feedback from a public safety perspective, from a law enforcement support, excuse me, a law enforcement perspective, but we get to hear from many different disciplines on how situations should be approached, how maybe parents will react to, to a scenario. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a really strong working group that works through some of these challenges to create better outcomes. Anything to add from the Sheriff's Department? No, I would just say that we're fortunate that we're all on the same team and, and instead of responding by emails, we can sit down in person and have a conversation, so. Yeah, you know, before we came into this room, um, I heard that this type of collaboration meeting on a monthly basis might be unique in some school districts. Can you talk about that? You know, why? why sure. Yeah. When I am meeting with the other superintendents in the state, and uh, as you know, there's been a lot of school safety legislation right. recently, and as they're talking, they're talking about things that we sometimes have done decades ago. Mm. Um, wow. And and that doesn't mean we're done. We right. can continue to refine and update and all those things. Um, but I've had colleagues tell me, you know, that they they might meet with their local police chief annually mm -hmm. uh, just to check in and, and say, you know, are things the same or have they changed? And we're fortunate because we meet monthly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we drill together. Um, they mm -hmm. invite teachers to watch some of their live exercises. Uh, anytime we hold a drill, they are mm -hmm. active participants. Mm -hmm. And so I think that could serve to help parents understand that we really are uh, consistently and actively trying to be prepared for any situation. Yeah. People always think, um, you know, like a, a shooting or something like that, but we're prepared for a, a weather stoppage mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. I mean, there are many types of emergencies mm -hmm. that can happen. Right. And um, most of them actually don't involve violence, but they mm -hmm. still involve right. a public response. Right, fire, yeah. um, you know, electricity going out, you know, lots of different um, emergencies that could happen. But what are some of those concerns that you've heard, Taryn, like um, from parents either throughout the year or, you know, as kids return to school when it comes to school safety? What are you doing to keep my kids safe? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody wants to know mm -hmm. how you know everybody wants their children to be safe and uh, we take that responsibility very seriously so we get asked all kinds of things from you know do you have secure doors are they locked all mm -hmm. the time how do people gain access to mm -hmm. the building um, you know how will you let us know when there's mm -hmm. a, a, a situation and uh, parents generally want to know immediately right. and that I think is probably our most difficult challenge yeah. is when there's any kind of active situation mm -hmm. um, we're dealing with the active situation and so stopping to notify is is yeah. a big challenge yeah so, you know, I know that we mentioned um, that this safety group meets on many different types of emergencies. I read in the, you know, the emergency procedures plan actually outlines specific actions to take in, you say, more, more than 28 different types of emergencies. Um, but you reference like the big thing that's on parents' minds, which, you know, are lockdowns. 
um, or active shooter situations. We did have um, a lockdown in March, um, and this was due to a hoax call that affected other school districts in Utah. Um, so what can we say, you know, if that is top of mind for parents, you know, from a public safety perspective, you know, what do you tell parents about preparation or training or resources? Go ahead, Chief Garcia. Yeah, so obviously we, we don't want something yeah. like that to be on the forefront of anybody's mind. We hope that it never happens here. And we feel like our community is very safe. We don't believe it will, but we always prepare for the worst. And so mm-hmm. one of the priorities for me when I first got here and understanding there wasn't an SRO was inserting an SRO into our schools. And that's a school uh, resource. School, excuse me. Yes, a school resource officer into our schools, which means we, we have an officer that basically tries to be present, uh, rotates through the schools and is is visible uh, a lot of the time and that doesn't mean that's the only officer that we have near or inside of schools we encourage all of our officers to go spend time in the schools the schools actually offer our officers free lunch if they come in and eat lunch with the students which is just an op- excuse me an awesome opportunity for them to interact with kids and and uh, and show them that we care about them and and be again be a visible mm-hmm. presence so we have we have those those things in place but also we do again we train for the worst and so we we had I uh, brought in the Department of Public Safety last year when I first arrived to provide training to all of our local law enforcement agencies, and we did it again this year. And um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, I wasn't in town. I think Sheriff Wiggins can talk about our response because he was here. He was on the front lines with all the officers. Um, but everything that I've heard that uh, related to our response was that it went extremely well. Obviously, it's traumatic for kids we, and, mm-hmm. and parents and for faculty. We don't want to create trauma for anybody, um, but we have to treat every incident as if it's real uh, so we can protect as many people as possible. And I think uh, the sheriff can weigh in a little bit more on that. Yeah. I would just say that the hoax call that we received earlier this year, um, we're never going to be perfect, but from what I witnessed was is every officer that responded to the school was um, able and willing to go inside the schools Um, there was a texas school shooting where you had officers that were staged outside of the school not wanting to go in and i think here in grant county all of our officers are um, are ready to go in and and that says something about all of our law enforcement officers whether it's the pd i mean we had park service that was there we had outside agencies such as san juan and emory county wanting to know if they needed to send officers Mm -hmm. to our schools as well so I thought overall we did a really good job um, and again we're not going to be perfect there are things that we can improve on mm-hmm. but we did a good job thank you something that you touched on Taryn um, you know top of mind you know you train for these scenarios um, but one of the things that's difficult is for parents worried about their kids getting that information is really difficult so what do you say to parents you know who are worried about that you know by law actually Utah State Code we're required to hold at least one lockdown drill per year. And we, in the past, we've done two. And last year with the hoax, one of the changes that we made is that this year we're just gonna do one lockdown drill Mm -hmm. that actually involves the kids. Uh, And then we're going to replace the other one with staff training. We call them tabletops. Um, It's like a scenario, what would you do if? where we talk about it um, rather than have Mm -hmm. students practicing it just because we're wary of um, students' mental health and staff mental health. Mm -hmm. It's a a tricky thing Mm -hmm. Um, anytime you are practicing a lockdown drill 
but it's also critical to practice because you will react how you mm-hmm. practice. Related to mental health, um, can you talk about resources? I know that there's a mental health crisis team for crisis situations, but there's also ongoing resources throughout the year. Sure. We have uh, school-based therapists that uh, can see kids uh, on an ongoing basis, but also whenever there's any kind of a situation like our hoax or even just a lockdown drill or a school shooting in another place, Mm. All of these things um, can bring up feelings in students and staff uh, and and parents, but students and staff that um, are fearful or worried, Mm -hmm. uh, anxiety. And so our site-based therapists will also work with students and staff who have that short-term, like, I just want to know I'm okay today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then again, the ongoing Mm -hmm. uh, basis. We also put out information to parents um, annually started that last year and that'll go out actually uh, Wednesday um, just about here's all the things that we as a district do mm-hmm. to prepare and keep your students safe and here's some resources mm-hmm. that if you're nervous or worried or you want to know how to talk to your kids about these issues here's some resources for you right that's really important you know I look through some of the resources the recommended resources today and um, one of the things is just um, keeping an open door to having hard conversations you know you all are parents you know how any tips or tricks to approach um, safety conversations with your kids obviously the world has changed over the years and the fact that we have to have conversations about school shootings and things Mm -hmm. like that is it's problematic it's troubling but I just feel like it's important to take a, a just a straightforward approach with my kids, and mm-hmm. and I and I talk about these things. I don't hide from them because mm-hmm. it's the world we live in. It's the world they live in, mm-hmm. and and I don't want to shelter my kids from the things that can happen. I want them to be prepared for mm-hmm. any scenario as best that we can, and make good decisions. And, and that's all we can ask of them. And I'm not even talking about even shootings and things right. like that. I'm talking about drug use, alcohol use, wearing right. your seatbelt when you're driving with friends, all those things that. We know when we were kids, we, we probably didn't wear our seatbelts all the time and things mm-hmm. like that. And we see tragedies like that happen in every community. And and uh, so I just think it's important to be frank about the things that are important and how to keep themselves safe, their friends safe, and and then also trust their teachers and those people that are in, the, in those facilities to keep them safe and then know if we're there from a law enforcement perspective we're there to help people and and spread the word that's our job yeah i would agree with the chief i have a conversation with my daughters all the time Mm -hmm. not only about school safety but when we're out in public drug use anything um you just have to have a you have to have those hard conversations Mm -hmm. and we can't beat around the bush yeah so you know we're talking um with the sheriff with the chief of police and the school district uh, superintendent about um, school safety in advance of kids returning to school this year um so like taryn you mentioned that the school district will be sending out information to parents about this very topic um and the information covers you know emergency procedures plan it covers safety drills and like you said it even has a link to resources to how to talk to kids about things like mental health or violence. Um, You know, there's a lot to say about what's in this upcoming information, but Taryn, do you want to highlight anything else uh, within it? Any uh, important information that you want parents to know or even just our general community to know? We take the safety of our students and staff uh, very seriously, and we really do actively plan for any type of emergency 
um, and work we work really well together you know you mentioned the hoax and mm-hmm. I mean we even had public works come out that day yeah. like every mm-hmm. entity in Moab that's one of the things I really love about Moab is everybody shows up mm-hmm. and they did that day and anytime we have a need or a situation that is the case mm-hmm. so I want parents to know that we're taking an active stance. We have a lot of security measures in place. Mm -hmm. We don't talk publicly about all of them um, because we want to keep kids safe. But we have uh, um, even some new measures this year that Mm -hmm. uh, will even enhance further uh, the safety of our students and staff and the ability for our public safety partners to respond Mm -hmm. uh, quickly and effectively. Okay. Um, and you know I think too like I have an open door and if parents have questions about what we're doing I really encourage them to reach out happy to answer Mm -hmm. them to the extent that I'm able thank you so much um, for going through that now Sheriff Wiggins and um, Chief Garcia is there anything else to add about this collaboration with the school district and constantly on a monthly basis at least checking in you know what is on top of your mind when it comes to um, the importance of this collaboration I would just say real quickly I don't know if we've talked about it but sure. in years past both departments have been shorthanded mm-hmm. we're both fully staffed and so you'll see more of our officers as uh, sporting events at the schools mm-hmm. um, the sheriff's office is, has a SRO and we're, we're planning on getting another SRO and so I think as we approach this this year you're going to see us a lot more so don't be don't be scared when you see one of our police officers outside of the school welcoming the kids to the schools i think that it's important that we're there Uh, i've heard feedback from previous years is when Mm -hmm. we try to make an approach of being at the schools uh, parents would be like well what's going on Mm -hmm. we're trying to change that we want to be visible we want to be seen and we want to have a good relationship with the kids um, and then, can we talk about the Safe UT app? I mean, it's available for yeah. for parents to download. Absolutely. I mean, Let's it's a, it's it. an app. Applica- it's an mm-hmm. app on your phone you can download. Um, it's called Safe UT, right? Okay, that's correct. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, and it's available. I would encourage if you're a parent, I would encourage to download it, mm-hmm. um, and also with your kids and have them put it on their phones as well. And what does it do? It's a, a free application to school districts and uh, students, parents. And really, it's a way for uh, see something, say something. Mm-hmm. So if a student um, knows of a friend that they're worried about, yeah. they feel like maybe uh, their mental health isn't very strong, mm-hmm. and they're really struggling with issues, whether it be suicidal ideation mm-hmm. or drug use or mm-hmm. anything that they feel like uh, should be reported, it's an anonymous uh, tip line, so the student can go on the app and report, hey, my friend so-and-so needs some help. They're, these are the things I'm worried about. This is what they've said. And it protects the anonymity of the reporter, but it goes to me, uh, and it also goes to our school-based therapy team. Mm-hmm. And they staff it immediately Mm -hmm. and reach out to that student that was named. Mm -hmm. Uh, Parents can also use it to report concerns about any their own student or any other student. Uh, Parents of course can also call us to report those things but it's really intended to be a way for uh, students because we know um, from you know about fifth grade-ish up 
peers are the most important group in a student's life. Um, parents kind of take a back seat mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. And so peers tend to be the ones with the pertinent information. And so it's a way to give them uh, a means to report by, but still maintain their anonymity. And I can I can see from like a student perspective, it might be yeah, like you said, a little bit easier, a little bit more approachable to be able to do that anonymously and through an app. Yeah, and there it truly is anonymous. the The tips yeah. that we receive uh, will there when they put in a tip, it's to a mental health professional mm-hmm. who screens them. And if it's something that seems like it needs immediate attention, it comes back with a different kind of notification. Right. Uh, if it's something that is important but isn't a crisis immediately, right. uh, we get it in a different format, and then we follow up on every single tip. But the reporter is always anonymous and maintains throughout. Right. I appreciate you all mentioning this because, you know, we spent some time on, you know, lockdown, active shooter drills, but like school safety also means, you know, mental health, um, you know, addressing suicidal thoughts, self-harm, that sort of thing too, which is really, really important. Anything else when it comes to school safety, Jared Garcia, did you have a a thought to follow Uh, up on? Yeah, probably a couple. I I just, I want to applaud Taryn and the sheriff's office. I I mean, the city of Moab, I've been very impressed since I've gotten here just about the collaboration and the fact Mm -hmm. that we are meeting, we're talking about these issues, we can have these important conversations. And the reason that's important is because when we do have an incident, whether it's a kid that didn't get on the school bus, that happens Mm -hmm. more frequently than you would. (laughs) No, those types of things, (laughs) even though we're Uh typically confident that's going to turn out okay, we all are prepared to respond and have really good conversations. We don't have to develop a relationship while the the incident is being managed, which I think is critical. Mm -hmm. And then I want to say, just as far as the, the Moab Police Department, we are absolutely committed to the safety of our community and specifically the safety of our kids in schools. Um, and like the sheriff said, uh, we don't want people to be alarmed when you see a marked police car mm-hmm. near the school or at the school or you see our motors officers stopping cars because people are, you know, they're not, they're driving a little too fast around HMK. Mm-hmm. Those things are intentional. We want people to know that we're there intentionally to keep their kids safe, to keep them safe. And we want them to feel comfortable coming up and talking to us. And mm-hmm. if they have a concern, just like Taryn said, if she has an open door policy, I do as well. We want to know how we can better serve our community. And so if someone... Uh, is upset or they want to see us do something a little bit different than, than we're all ears. We'll listen, and, and uh, if it's feasible or practical, we'll absolutely uh, try to deploy our resources the best way that we can. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're just I'm, – I'm glad we have such a strong working relationship with all, not just our teams but the other teams that are mm-hmm. involved in this, and, and uh, I want par- parents to feel comfortable that their kids are safe in our community. Yeah. Um, thank you all so much for joining us on This Week in Moab. Um, any last parting thoughts about uh, return to the school year or this collaboration between your various departments? From the school district perspective, we're mm-hmm. excited for Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, you know, Day we'll, one. we'll be doing, I'll just do a plug for uh, clap in at HMK okay. at 745-ish, 750, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Uh, and then at the middle school and high school, we've invited community agencies to come and just give out swag if they have it mm-hmm. to the kids. And uh, we'll be providing the kids with like donuts and just welcoming welcoming them back in a mm-hmm. in a less uh, intense way, I guess, <laughs> than the clap in. <laughs> we got feedback that that wasn't really cool for them. Was it uh, a little bit too much? A little too much. <laughs> yeah. So, but we're super excited and 
you know, we have a, a great community. Clinical safety is 30-ish people strong now. Wow. And, you know, parents can be confident that we're all working on behalf of not only the community but our kids. And, you know, because that, I mean, we wouldn't exist if it weren't for students. And so thank you for the opportunity. And I enjoy working with um, these gentlemen and the other community agencies. And, yeah. If you build it, they'll come, right? Wednesday. <laughs> Any parting thoughts from uh, the chief of police or the sheriff? I'm excited for the clapping as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty awesome to see, yeah. all, especially the, the young the little, little yeah. elementary school kids coming to school for the first day. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, it's just awesome. Uh-huh. And, and, again, we're committed to keeping people safe. And, uh-huh. um, yeah, just, uh, just excited for the upcoming year. I'm excited for that as well. But one thing that we didn't talk about, if yeah, we do sure. ever if we ever do have an incident mm-hmm. that happens, mm-hmm. we have a – and a thing called an alert sense and iPods where we can immediately get uh, the word out to the to the public. But we also have another feature that I just got a text message from the school district. So if you sign up for their uh, alerts, you can get uh, alerts with your cell phone, which is huge in okay. this day and age. So okay, this is alert sense. And does anyone know how to sign up for it? So Alert Sense is different than what the school uses. Okay, but okay. the Alert Sense, you do have to go to the county website to sign up for it. Okay. Um, iPause, you don't have to. Um, but the school district, you have to sign up for Parent it. Link. The Parent Link. Parent Link. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there are a couple of different ways to stay informed, it sounds like. Um, Parent Link for school district information. And then go to grandcountyutah.net for that Alert Sense emergency information. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on This Week in Moab. To my guests this evening and to Carly Castle and Michael Black from earlier. If you missed any part of the show, you can listen to our archives at kzmu.org. We'll also have it on our public affairs podcast. Stay tuned to our 6 p.m. programming. We have word of the day um, followed by the Rocky Mountain Regional Roundup. And then we have liner notes um, all coming up in the 6 p.m. hour. Thanks for being with us.